So for anybody that wants to truly help another person, there's all of these myths and this sort of junk in your head that keeps you stuck and it keeps you thinking you need to be better at what you do and you know you got to be certified and qualified and you have to have all these credentials and you have to have been doing it for years in order to really help somebody. And that's just not useful. There's those things may be nice, but they're certainly not necessary if you truly wish to be a teacher of freedom. Need nothing, appreciate everything, have it all. Welcome to the podcast that helps you architect your most self-authorized, productive, and fulfilled life. Join action philosopher Jesse Elder on a journey to greater joy, freedom, and wealth of every kind as he shares insights gained from the leading edge of liberated living. The hardest part is accepting just how easy success can be. And now, Jesse. Hey, it's Jesse, and welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time, welcome to this uh, experience that has become quite a collaboration. Uh, it is just amazing to see so many conversations that are starting and to see this continuing on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. And I am just so appreciative that you're here. You know, you've got billions of different things you can choose to do with your time. And the fact that you chose to invest a few minutes here is... Uh, is really something. So thank you for being here. We're going to settle in today for an episode on how to be a teacher of freedom. You know, if, if you uh, went through a, tra- a traditional education, I don't know if you ever saw this as a, as a something you can major in, you know, or something you could even minor in. So what's your story? I, uh, well, I've got a major in uh, freedom teaching and a minor in self-authorization. No, Chances are somebody that actually is qualified to teach that stuff will not be doing it in an academic environment because this is real life stuff that is designed to be used in the real world. And in my own journey, in my own experience, I've found that there are so many people in the world that actually are committed to living their own values and living by expressing their own voice. And these are the people who I love to hang out with. And I'm just going to kind of go out on a limb here since that's where all the fruit is anyway. Um, I think you are probably one of these people. Maybe we haven't connected in real life. Maybe we have. But I think you are like me, that you really value your own thoughts and you value your own dreams. And this podcast and all of these episodes are really designed as resources to help you think through your own freedoms and to think through your own dreams and to turn those into reality through practical steps. So with that being said, today's episode is going to be a scorcher and uh, I'm just really happy you're here. So, uh, oh, one more quick thing. For those of you that have taken the time to leave a review or a rating, um, I mean, I can't tell you how much that means especially in this type of format where there's really no feedback other than seeing those reviews and seeing those ratings. Um, it's just, is so motivating for me personally and, and for, you know, Alex, who's really the right hand in all of this. Uh, and it's just so cool seeing the ratings and the reviews. So if you've taken the time to do that, thank you. It, it really means the world. The, uh, the theme today is on how to be a teacher of freedom. So what exactly is that? Um, well, freedom comes in many forms, and it's obviously as individual uh, as, as you are. And I believe that there are two trends in this world. One is a trend towards control, either seeking safety, 
you know, for those that feel the need for more structure and more control. Uh, some people, candidly, want to be controlled. You know, they want to be told what to do, and they really experience that as as a lot of freedom. And that's really cool. If that's what somebody's game is, great. There are certainly plenty of other people in the world who seek control. You know, they want more control over others. They want to make the rules that other people follow, and maybe that gives them some sense of security. So I don't, uh, that doesn't resonate with me. And if it does with you, then obviously you're free to explore that. But I've also believe, I also believe that there's not a, a level of, there is no level of deep fulfillment, deep happiness. Uh, I don't believe that joy exists either in being controlled or seeking control over others. I believe that free will is this inviolate rule that we're all operating under. And I recognize that there are plenty of people in the world that choose not to believe that. There is a lot of folks that say, nope, how it is is how it is. And they believe in this thing called, you know, pre-destiny or, or determinism. And no matter what you do, this is how it's going to be. And you know what? If somebody wants to believe in determinism, I guess they are free to do so. Anyway, uh, to be a freedom teacher is really simple. It is to live life in a way that is in alignment with your values, with your voice, where you are continually investing time in your vision, in uh, taking actions every day that are inspired, that move you towards the fulfillment of that vision, and doing so from a place of active appreciation. And man, this is the antidote to depression. It is the absolute immunization against stress and overwhelm. You just can't come from a place of active appreciation and be stressed out at the same time. So that's probably a whole other podcast or maybe even a, like a two-day training or something. So to be a freedom teacher is to, first of all, live as an example of your own deepest values, continually exploring and expanding your own desires and your own dreams, doing so in a way that, that allows other people to also have their own experience. You know, you are not here. These are my beliefs. You are not here for other people. And you say, yeah, but, 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 but I have kids. I have a spouse. I have a team. I have a boss. I have a job. I have a country. Yes, this is true. But guess what? You're not here for any of them. You're here with them, but they have their own agenda. They have their own path in life. And one of the things that I'm increasingly appreciative of is, you know, the more that I level up every year, I'm so appreciative of my own parents and the way that they really demonstrated this for me. Um, in their own words today, they, they say, we just did the best we could to stay out of your way. You seem like you knew what you were doing. And that meant that sometimes, yeah, I felt like I wanted more support or I wanted, you know, to be, get more attention and I wanted to be told a little bit more what to do. But the reality is they allowed me the space to figure it out on my own. And I believe that that is something uh, I'll be forever appreciative to my parents for demonstrating. What does this have to do with you? Well, you have your own agenda. And if this is true for you, it's also true for the people that are in your life, including a partner or a spouse, including your children. And I believe that, that for kids, what kids need more than anything is examples of adults who are happy, adults who are living their own life, whose happiness does not depend on the mood of the child. This is a tough pill for a lot of parents to swallow. And I 
worked with thousands of parents. This is a challenging thing for a lot of parents. But if you can entertain the notion and just hold for a moment the possibility that you do not exist for your children, you do not exist for your spouse, you do not exist for anybody else, with absolutely. But to be a teacher of freedom is to embody and embrace and continually express your own desires, explore your own interests, your own curiosities. And of course, this is going to involve other people. It's going to involve connecting and cavorting and frolicking. Did I just say frolicking? What the hell? (laughs) I guess. Well, okay. So very strategic frolicking that can make you millions of dollars, I guess. But the idea of really living and embodying these freedoms, whatever they mean to you, You're inevitably going to connect with and inspire other people, but their inspiration is a natural byproduct of you living free, not some outcome that you have to go and achieve. Otherwise, you haven't fulfilled your purpose. That's another podcast, Two Doors Down, I think they teach that. So to be a freedom teacher, first and foremost, is embracing and embodying your own desires. And then that can be expressed through any form of work, through any form of connection. You might be a financial advisor. You might be a coach or consultant. You might be a parent. You might be a sibling. You might be a partner. You might have many partners. I don't know what your life looks like. But to be a freedom teacher is to also see these freedoms in others. And then the work that you do, the actual business that you're engaged in, becomes infused with those qualities. You know, years ago, uh, 2013, actually, the year of the great reset in my own life, I was figuring everything out again. And I had the opportunity to work with a group of financial advisors. And this is a very regulated industry, right? There's not a lot of creative leeway that they can make. And it's very uh, bureaucratic at times. And one of the issues that they faced was a lot of burnout, And I'm curious if you've experienced this, if you've ever ever experienced some creative constriction, you know, where you want to do things different, but you're limited by, you know, legalities or, you know, maybe the the details of your business. But it's not about the, the vehicle that you're using. It's about the energy that you're putting into it. So when you're really honoring your desires and you're living a sort of kick ass life where you're engaging in your own adventures and your own interests, You actually become a bigger, better version of you that then enters into this work. Whatever the work is, you might be cleaning offices. There's a a certain joy in that. There's a certain joy in doing the task and doing the thing while entertaining a thought of more. How could it be better? How can I get to the next level? And this becomes unignorable. When you're showing up fully with your own enthusiasm, you begin to have this, this inevitable radiant effect on others that are around you. And so there are also these myths, though. There are things that people hold themselves back from fully experiencing these freedoms because they think that they need to switch jobs. They think they need to start a business. They think they need to get married and then it'll be perfect. Or they think I need to get divorced and then it'll be better. But you know what? You're going to take you with you. So why not get in alignment? Why not get happy? Why not become satisfied with who you are, where you are? And then you'll be able to see some different steps to take. So I've identified that there are four misconceptions, four myths that actually hold people back from fully embodying and embracing this sort of freedom teacher lifestyle. And last thing I'll say before we get into these, I'm not talking about you know, dropping your job or selling your business and just becoming a coach or consultant. 
Trust me, there's plenty of people out there that want to do that. And there's a ton of people that are happy doing the old copy and paste and taking somebody else's ideas and putting their name behind it and hoping that they won't be found out. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. So there are four ideas that we've most of us have been sold that we have to really uh, improve. Otherwise, we won't be successful professionally or personally. The first of these is competence. You know, we're taught that you need to be certified. You got to have a degree. You, you have to know the exact skills in order to move into the marketplace and then you'll be valuable. Or you got to know the exact right way to talk to the girl or the guy. You got to know the exact right way to do whatever and develop this competence and then you'll have some value in the world. Uh, what? Where, where is your intrinsic value in that equation? Where is the fullness of the essence that you actually are? So in my experience, you know what's greater than competence? Commitment. What's your level of commitment? What is your level of commitment? First and foremost, to your own feelings, to honoring the way you feel and allowing the way you feel to become the most important thing in your life. And I, I can already hear it right now. Some of you are listening to this. You're going, wait a minute. That smells a lot like selfishness to me. And I was raised to be selfless. Okay, cool. How's that working for you? To be selfless, to be less of yourself is that really the highest service for those that you claim to love? I mean, how are you serving the people that you say you love by showing up as a half-assed version of you? Yes, selfishness can absolutely be a benefit because it is putting yourself first. And I believe that this is what everybody already does anyway. Even the person that claims to be altruistic, I only care about helping others. Well, why? Because it makes you feel good. So you can't escape this. Com commitment is greater than competence. On a skill level, I mean, how long does it really take to get good at something? We're not talking about calendar time here. I learned this the, the beautiful way, the physical way in martial arts out there on the mat. You'd see some students that signed up. And then a year later, they still can't kick head level, for example, or they still can't go more than four rounds without gassing out and getting all wheezy and tired. And I'm not making fun of those people. I used to be one. But a year? Success is not measured on the calendar. Success is measured on the clock. How many minutes? How many hours are you willing to allow yourself the mandatory luxury a focused effort engaging in this repetition and intensity, this repetition and intensity, repetition and intensity to do the thing over and over again until you don't feel like doing it anymore. And then you do it again. And then you go, okay, that's enough. If I was a loser, but I'm not. So I'm going to do it again. And you go again and again. And pretty soon you've busted through all of these old orbits and old layers of gravity that have held you back. And you emerge into this new level of competence. Competence comes from commitment. So you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't really have the skills. Okay, well, go get them. They will come inevitably as a result of your commitment. So what is your commitment to practice? 
deep practice, not surfing YouTube videos and even listening to podcasts as awesome as this one. <laughs> that's not training. That's not study. That's just a, like a guidepost. It's just a sign saying, hey, go that way. But you still have to go. You know, you don't go to the restaurant and look at the menu, go, hmm, looks delicious and start chewing on the menu. You don't look at the map and go, ah, I'd like to be there. And then you stand on the map and wait for it to take you somewhere like a flying carpet. These videos, these podcasts, this is, these are indicators. They're not vehicles. The only vehicle worth trusting is your own commitment. So what is your commitment? What is your commitment to your own self-care? What is your commitment to your own direct leading edge experiences? What is your commitment to investing time every day in your own zero point, your own stillness, silence, and solitude? What is your commitment to the production zone, to getting better, to doing better? These four quadrants are found elsewhere in depth here in the podcast. The wisdom economy runs on these four quadrants. Direct leading edge experiences, radical, authentic self-care, the zero point, the production zone. These are very simple concepts, but what's going to drive your success is your level of commitment. At the end of the day, can't really means won't. Yeah, but I can't do that. I don't hear that. I hear won't. Well, but, 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 but Jesse, I'm different because see, in my situation, I can't you won't. This is a very bitter pill for a lot of people to swallow. And I'm just imagining right now the numbers of people listening to this podcast declining like a base jumper jumping off a bridge. But for those of you that are in for the ride, pull your chute and let's drift to the next concept. Forget about competence. Commitment is where it's at. The second myth that many people have been sold is the idea that your aptitude is going to determine your ability to help people and to be paid, to be rewarded. What is your aptitude? What is your level of intelligence? How smart are you? What's your IQ? What's your Myers-Briggs? What's your Colby? What's your Enneagram? What's your star sign? What's your moon sign? What's your, I don't know, uh, answer to half of those questions. And if you find value in that, again, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying that those are simply tools which may or may not be useful. Your aptitude is not the determining factor for your success and your growth and your experience. Attitude is greater than aptitude. Your ability to see the best in yourself and others, for example. Your ability to decide in advance of the meeting or to decide in advance of that date or to decide in advance of going on this trip or to decide in advance before you go to work. How do you want it to go? And you may not feel that you can control all the things around you, but you always have control over your own attitude. You know, when somebody else is acting negative and being pessimistic, well, guess what? That's not their reality. They think they're being realistic. They think they're being intelligent. And that's cool. But your own attitude is under your control. So when you receive a piece of news that's different than you wanted or even handed a catastrophe, 
or an emergency. While it may not feel that you have a tremendous amount of control over the outcome or over the situation, you always have control over your attitude. Are you going to allow yourself to become this reactive creature, blaming the events on the way you feel? Or can you dive a little deeper into your own powers of self-authorization? And can you say, how do I want to feel right now? What can I focus on that's going to allow me to tap back into my own sense of natural well-being? So aptitude, grades, IQ, EQ, those are neat. I honestly don't even know what my IQ is. Uh, And I've really never gotten a grade in my life except for black belt. That was pass or fail. I did get my driver's license. Failed that the first time, gloriously. Parallel parking just messed me up. I tore the heck out of that curb and the rims. (laughs) But you know what? Perseverance, you go back and you test again and you get your driver's license. But aptitude is overrated. Attitude is the skill. Okay? Very simple, yeah? So the first one we looked at is competence, which is nowhere near as important as commitment. Secondly, aptitude, intelligence, nowhere near as important as attitude. Now, this might all seem like common sense, but I'm curious if you've observed this as well. Common sense ain't that common. It's almost like an endangered species. (laughs) So... This leads us to our third misconception. If you really, truly desire to empower others and to, and to make a dent in the universe, as, as uh, Steve Jobs or other people claim to have said, the idea that you have to have been doing something for a long time and then you're qualified. Now, this might sound a little like competence, but what we're really talking about here is longevity. There's something far more important than that, and I'll share it with you in just a second. But in the martial arts business, uh, I used to get a kick, no pun intended, get a kick out of looking at the old Yellow Pages ads. Remember those? And in the Yellow Page ad, almost every other ad from my, uh, my cohorts, my competitors, said, world champion, 27 years experience, or national champion, 14 years of experience. And basically the only update they did to that ad every year was to change the number. 15 years experience, 16 years experience, 17 years experience, 36 years experience. And what's the, what's the thought behind that? What's the lie hidden behind that little myth there? Can you sense it? The lie is, that the longer you've been doing something, the better you are. Look, this bleeds over into most areas of our life. We tend to think that, you know, the person who's lived the longest has had the best life. But is that really true? Conversely, we tend to believe that, you know, somebody who departs this life at a younger age somehow that was a waste. And I'm not attacking anybody's beliefs here. These are my perceptions. These are my perspectives and my beliefs that I found more useful. That the quality of a life is not in how many years it was around for. The quality of life is that person's quality of life. And the only person qualified to judge that person's quality of life is or was them. 
So this idea that longevity equals quality, we see this in relationships. You know, we see somebody who, you know, they were quote unquote only together for six months and then they broke up. What a tragedy. Well, was it? I've experienced connections and genuine relationships in my life that have not been long on the calendar, but were so deep and so beautiful and so connected and so powerful and, and expansive and, and intimate and, and beautiful. Then that really had nothing to do with the calendar. We see this in, in jobs and businesses. We've been around for 38 years. Okay, well, what does that mean? More often than not, it means that many people have become blind because of their own habits. They did this one thing 10 years ago that worked okay, and they've continued to push that button, hoping that it keeps to work. Keep, keep, I can't even talk now, you know. They hope that it keeps working just because it worked that one time. So you know what's greater than longevity? It's simple. Love is more powerful than longevity. How much of your own love for what you do do you really have? I mean, how much love for yourself are you allowing yourself to experience? Now, you might be listening to this thinking, uh, Jesse, I thought this was a, a tactical, productive podcast. Uh, <clears throat> okay, well, let me appeal to your intellect for a moment. What the heck is more important than showing up fully loving yourself authentically for exactly who and how you are? The absence of self-love, the absence of accepting oneself creates more misery than just about anything else I can think of. So if you just allow yourself to love yourself, then you can actually love others. You know, there's a useful line in the Bible that said, love thy neighbor as thyself. But it predisposes that you love yourself. So love for yourself, love for others, doesn't mean doing what other people want you to do. And it doesn't mean that you're totally just driven by sensation and you just got to feel good all the time. Maybe you're going to feel bad sometimes. That's part of life. There's none of that as a reason not to love yourself. Judge yourself a little bit less, love yourself a whole lot more, and watch as the time that you think it takes diminishes. I've, I've seen clients do this. I've seen people go literally from an industry that they were part of or that they helped to transform and then make the jump over to something brand new. And within six months, they're at the top of this brand new industry because they're embracing these qualities. So in many ways, experience in one thing over and over is a handicap. I find it much more interesting to hang out with people that have had 18 different jobs and have had, you know, 67 different types of friendships and have earned money in 43 different kinds of ways. And I'm obviously making these numbers up, but I find those people to be far more fascinating and a lot more fun to hang out with. And I learn so much more from those people than I do from someone who's been doing the same thing, the same way, at the same place, with the same people, with the same attitude over and over again for like, I appreciate those people, but oof, come on, man. You want to go? Let's go moonwalk down the main street. That will be a lot more fun. <gasps> but what will people think? I don't know because I don't really care what people think. Maybe you do. And this might be why you look 87 and you're only 26 years old. 
for example. All right, moving on. <laughs> if commitment is greater than competence, if attitude is greater than aptitude, if love is greater than longevity, we are going to uh, peel back the layers on what is perhaps one of the biggest myths of all. There's a book that was uh, written a couple of years back, and it was recommended to me by lots of people. And there's actually quite a few people who assumed that I had read it. Um, I have not read it. I am very unlikely to read it, although I completely respect the work of the author who created it. And I love many people who've gotten value from the book. I'm just sharing my qualifications here. The book is called 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. And I know there are people who I love dearly and who I respect who said that that was one of the best books they've ever read. So if you want to consider that a third party testimonial, go for it. But the appeal to that book is I'm hearing people who read it and the immense value they got from it is that it's all about understanding power, power to create what you want power to maybe influence and control other people power over yourself. And so there's this, uh, very interesting appeal that power has to people, you know, very best selling book in the personal development world, unlimited power. And as the author of that book stated, it's not about power over others. It's about power over yourself, but this is a universal, uh, target for many people. They want to become more powerful. You know, there are forces in this world that we pretty much all agree are powerful forces. Money can be a powerful tool. Sex and sexual attraction is a powerful force. Fear is a powerful emotion. Love is a powerful emotion. So there's all of these powers in the world. And I would be disingenuous if I were to tell you that I never sought power myself. I've experienced how it feels to have a team that's, you know, taking your guidance. And there's a certain power in that. I, I certainly appreciate and I understand the power to influence that my own social media efforts have created. But with power sort of comes this other idea of leaders and followers and I believe that this is a dying metaphor. And I know that there are many of you listening who make a very good living teaching leadership skills. And so I think what you're about to hear will enhance and augment your efforts, not in any way uh, compete with or delete this concept. But I believe that leaders and followers, this attracts people who want to lead because they feel a sense of responsibility and duty and obligation. And that's noble. That's beautiful. And there are people who want to follow because they want to learn and grow. And that's noble. I've been on both sides of the equation and there's nothing inherently wrong with it. But where things get tricky is when someone who claims the title of leader begins to assume power for other people's experience, begins to assume responsibility for other people's choices. This is a dead end because to assume power to assume responsibility for someone else's choice, someone else's outcomes, someone else's results is actually an attempted violation of their free will choice, their own agency. And in my own journey, in my own experience, 
what I found more effective, more elegant, and more sustainable than seeking power is the practice of presence. Presence is greater than power. Power can be, not always, but it can be a sort of stressful experience for everybody involved. Stressful for the one who's being told what to do. Stressful for the one who's accepted and assumed the responsibility of telling. And this can still work brilliantly. It works throughout every realm of of human experience. There are many households which are run according to uh, religious principles and doctrines saying that the man is the head of the household and the woman's place is in the home. And guess what? There are millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people around the world for whom that actually works very well. So I'm not here to say one way is better than another, but I believe that as humans continue to evolve, we are far from done. In fact, we'll never be done. I believe we are just getting started in the journey of understanding what it means to be fully human. Presence is greater than power. Just as commitment is greater than competence. Why? Because commitment leads to competence. In the same way, presence leads to a more powerful relationship, a more powerful energy, a more powerful team, a more powerful family, a more powerful community, a more powerful business, a more powerful project, or a more powerful party. Presence is the soil where power grows. So instead of running around the orchard trying to pick the fruit, nurture the soil and let nature take its course. You don't have to make this stuff happen. (laughs) Believe me, it's happening. You don't make the apple grow. It grows. You just got to till the soil, plant the seed, nurture it a little bit, and watch the miracle that unfolds. Having the intent in your own life for creativity and then being present with what shows up will allow the experience and the expression and the expansion of more creativity than any amount of whiteboarding and working out a logical step-by-step path so I can maximize the amount of spontaneity in my life. What? Okay, have fun with that. Uh, Me and my friends will be probably going for an adventure, the outcome of which we have no idea, except that it will result in some epic stories. (laughs) Presence is greater than power. So next time you find yourself in a conversation wanting to assert your opinion, why not just CTFO? Just chill the out for a second. And just allow yourself in that moment to be enough. Allow yourself to give a little more attention to what the other person is saying. Maybe ask them to say it again. Maybe say, you know what? I blanked out there for a second. Honestly, I just caught myself thinking my own thoughts. I'm very interested in what you have to say. Would you mind repeating it? And watch as they look at you like you have four eyes and antlers growing out of your head because they've never heard that from someone before. I mean, how often do you hear that? How often does a conversation start, whether it's a casual conversation over coffee or a high-level strategic meeting, 
How many times has the conversation started with someone saying, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know exactly what everybody's outcomes are for being here, but I'm very appreciative to be here and I'm ex- extremely interested in hearing your beliefs and your thoughts about the present topic. So um, if it's okay at some point, either individually or maybe as a group, I'd be very interested in hearing your thoughts about this. And then be quiet. That may or may not be your place to say that. You may might feel comfortable or you might not. But presence is the soil for the most powerful of human abilities to come forth. Just practicing this in your own life, practicing your own meditation or journaling or going for a walk, or maybe it's just being by yourself, listening to some music. Maybe it's reading, but being present with your own thoughts, your own beliefs is the ultimate personal development accelerator. So to be a teacher of freedom is not some goal that you reach. It's the natural byproduct of applying these and many other different philosophies. There's no right or wrong way to do this. There's only what's right for you right now. And as you continually refresh the browser on your own personal preferences, as you continue to ask yourself, what do I value? What do I appreciate? What do I want? What do I want? Especially that question, what do I want? When you find yourself stuck and you can't find the solution, why not ask yourself, what do I really want here? Do I want the solution or do I want the feeling that the solution will bring? Maybe I could just go for the feeling first. You know what I'd like to feel is some peace of mind. Okay, I'm going to see if I could get myself there first. Oh, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I realize there's a lot more things in my life that I can be grateful of, that I can be appreciative for, that I kind of forgot about because I got stressed about this one little area of my life that I think is controlling my life. Oh yeah, it's actually not. It's a part of my life. You know what? I have a relationship, but I am not my relationship. (laughs) Funny how quickly I forgot that. You know what? I have a job, but I'm not my job. I have a business, but I'm not my business. You know, I have an amount of money that's in my life right now, but I am not that amount of money. In fact, that amount of money is just the inevitable echo, the residue, the natural byproduct of what I was thinking and feeling and doing. And why not adjust those things now and then look for evidence of expansion? Hmm. What if you already saw yourself as a freedom teacher? What if you already saw yourself as this catalyst for other people, not by what you do and how smart you are and how long you've been doing it and how powerful you are? And that's cool. But what if you just allowed yourself to start to see yourself that way a little bit more, starting with the person in the mirror? there's a lot of energy in you and there's a lot more that you have available to you. Sometimes it just is a matter of creating space for that to come out. So these are a few of my own personal observations on the nature of freedom and what it means to be an example of freedom, a teacher of freedom. Not as something you put on your freaking business card. Come on. If you need to put on a business card, I teach freedom. You're, you're trying too hard. <laughs> That's like telling somebody you're heart-centered. 
Really? If you have to tell somebody you're heart centered, what, what part of you doesn't believe it that you feel you have to convince the world? And if you've got that on your website or on your Facebook page and it's working for you, awesome. But I'm going to, I'm going to pull the coach card here and I'm going to challenge you not to use that language. Let your beingness speak volumes that no amount of intelligently crafted copy can ever compete with. Test that and watch as your conversions go through the roof. But I can't. Uh, Okay. Have fun with that paradigm. (laughs) I hope that you found these useful. Um, A large part of me hopes that you found it somewhat controversial, somewhat confrontational. Personally, I love hearing things from somebody who has a different life experience that's giving me new things to think about that challenges some of what I thought that I can either expand from and grow from because I either adopt this new philosophy and I incorporate it with mine or I realize, no, that is actually some BS and it helps me to, to believe what I do believe at an even deeper, more powerful and practical level. So I hope that this has not been agreeable for you 100%. It is shared with appreciation. So on that note, if you've got thoughts around this, questions, please drop us an email, connect at jessieelder.com. And if you're interested in seeing what the Freedom Teacher environment looks like, we have a group which is growing uh, on Facebook. It's uh, expanded quite a bit since we opened it. And there are now thousands of people all around the world who are in this free group that are continuing this dialogue. There's videos that are being shared. I'm teaching quite a bit within the group. And uh, we're actually doing some deeper trainings on uh, how to tap into your own gifts and move through the world in a way that you embody these five freedoms, freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of location, freedom within relationships and freedom of purpose. So if you're interested, just go to Facebook, give a search for Freedom Teachers, and we'll uh, look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for making time for this. You had a lot of different things you could have chosen to do, and I really appreciate you investing the time here. So until next time, this is your host, the action philosopher, Jesse Elder, saying peace and presence. I'll talk to you soon.